0: up everyone welcome to another episode of the tier one podcast today on the show i'm joined by uh pons who is a brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt uh, he's training here at bangkok fight lab he's from manila in the philippines originally uh but does live in uh, bangkok at the moment and he's a really cool guy he's uh, been drilling with him a little bit on some mornings and um he's uh, been teaching me quite a bit of we, as we've been doing that. He's really generous with his, with his um, you know, techniques that he shared. I've been learning a lot because he plays a lot of different, uh, has a very different game from what I play. So it's interesting to just kind of feel what that's like. Sometimes yeah, he's got a very unusual game. So it was cool just to learn a bit about it. Um, he's uh, competed over 230 times, which actually blew my mind. <laughs> um, uh, so he's got a wealth of experience to share. And um, I really kind of was appreciative of him, of him sharing his time, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes or uh, Facebook, it's always really appreciated. And here's Pons. Okay, Pons, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on and and taking the time to. Uh, I just answer some random questions I've got <laughs> and uh, experience. Um, and thanks, Steve, for having me. Uh, as I've told you, this is officially
1: my, the, the first podcast guesting of my life.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully not the last. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like I usually say, we start these off just by, um, well, I guess I'll talk about how I know you actually, Pons, we kind of met here about a month or so ago uh, in Thailand, in, in Bangkok, at the gym we both train at. Bangkok Fight Lab and now we've kind of come to do a bit more drilling together and um, thought it'd be cool to have you on the podcast. So uh, I start these off by asking you a bit about where you're from and where you grew up. So um, yeah, where are you from?
1: Yeah, so I am originally from the Philippines. So I was born and raised uh, in the Philippines and I've been a working here in Bangkok ever since uh, February of 2017 so I'm gonna be almost two and a half years now here in Bangkok so yeah this is this is the first time I've lived um, outside of my country oh really uh, yeah it's been quite a ride living and working here
0: yeah so Mm. tell me where whereabouts in the Philippines are you from
1: well, I was I was born and raised in the capital city. It's called Manila. Yeah, it's a it's a very huge city uh, of more than 10 million people. Oh. And yeah, it's yeah, life's there been. Uh, it's interesting because Manila's been a it's a mixed culture city. I would say um, the Philippines has been. Part of Spain for 300 years, part of the U.S. for 50. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, Chinese, Malay, uh, European influences. So yeah, it's it's an interesting place.
0: <laughs> so if I, um if we're gonna make a movie about Pond's life is life growing up, what's the uh, what's the opening scene? Where do we start? Oh, <laughs>
1: well, I was born in. I think if you've seen a lot of the Brazilian movies of the favelas, huh? I was born in that part of the city, it's called Tondo. So yeah, it's, you know, an opening scene would be, you know, a lot of people, uh, a bit chaotic, I would say, you know, people from different uh, different countries, different parts of uh, of the islands, the Philippines, uh, gathering in one place. Huh?
0: Mm. So do you have a big family? or?
1: Yeah, I've got a. I think for for today's standards, our family is quite big, but for 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 my generation, I'm thirty seven years old. By the way, for my generation, it's about the average. So aside from my mom and dad, I've got a couple of sisters. So that makes us five in the family, and I'm I'm the only son. Uh, so you got, um, uh, which makes it quite interesting yeah. growing up. Four sisters,
0: isn't them? Sorry. Yeah, a couple of sisters. Yeah. So, are you the oldest or the youngest, or where do you fit? I, I, I'm the second one, so
1: okay. I'm the middle child, and I'm an only son.
0: What was that like growing up with so many sisters?
1: You know, that's a good question because it's almost like you're growing up alone. Because mm. for one, I'm sandwiched between an older and a younger sister. Yeah. And being an only son, obviously, having a playmate or sharing interests would be a challenge. So how was it like growing up? Yeah, it's like it's like being an only child, wherein I normally play by myself. Uh, Growing up, the Lego Lego set was my best friend. Uh, Playing outdoors would mean, you know, dragonflies, spiders. Uh, interesting things you'd find in the garden and uh, the
0: fields, I would say, yeah. Hmm. So, what did you want to be growing up? Did you have have like a specific job that you were like, "Ah, I'm going to be this when I grow up?
1: Yeah, uh, growing up, um, I remember a story. There's this guy they called David Copperfield. He was a magician. Hmm. So my parents uh, took the three of us, three of us siblings. To watch one of his shows uh, back then in Manila. And uh, y- you know, as a child, y- you know, m- magic is always mesmerizing. It doesn't have to be uh, with high production values, with all the fireworks, the lights, you know, any simple magic trick would uh, blow your mind. But I would say that that David Copperfield show was the first time for me to see a, a full spectacle with all the production values of, uh, of, of a world-renowned magician. So I said, oh, I, w- I wanted to be a, a magician. It was interesting, you know, kids. Mm. When you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, they just, they just want to do what they want to do, not thinking about the complexity or the economics uh, of that. So yeah, I, I wanted to be a magician. How far did you get with that? Oh, not very far, I'd say. (laughs) Because right now I'm a a, uh, full-time sales and marketing professional by day. And I do jujitsu. Inserted uh, here and there in my schedule. Teaching a bit, training a lot
0: and the works. Mm. Yeah, so not very, f- not, not very close. Mm. There are some um, countries that are kind of like, uh, cultures that are kind of renowned for like, um, you know, some kind of martial arts and stuff. And uh, you know, you got like Thailand, Japan, Brazil, and I think Philippines is up there as well, isn't it? For the different uh, Filipino martial arts. Would, were you introduced to martial arts at a young age or what, what is it that? Oh, did we like sporting at least? Or?
1: No, no, I wasn't. Um, growing up, it was, it was football and basketball for me, uh, just like every majority of um, young boys around the world. But the Philippines, it's more of a, a basketball country, I would say. Mm. I got introduced to martial arts. I would say when I was in university for I was I I joined a class in judo when I was in um, I think sophomore or junior year third year I think and I did that on and off for a couple of years and then when I graduated late 2005 I took up the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu BJJ um, for the sole reason that uh, I, I, I thought it was cool, mm-hmm. and back then it wasn't Facebook nor Instagram, it was Friendster. You know, I just I just thought that BJJ would make uh, you know interesting profile photos. <laughs> but then again, uh, I was I was uh, bitten by the bug, so to speak, and uh, the rest was history, as they say.
0: So how long did you do the judo for? I would say on and off a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. And then why did you want to get into Judo in university in the first place? Was it just like, uh, I want something to do? or? Well
1: originally I wanted to get into BJJ because that was the time when uh, the UFC was uh, really getting to be popular around the world. That was the mid-2000s. Mm. and. <clears throat> Back then in the Philippines, uh, BJJ was, was getting to be popular. However, uh, it was, at that time, that was what uh, more than 10 years ago, it was pretty expensive to, to train easily. It was uh, a hundred dollars a month for, for training, which um, back then was a lot of money and much more uh, for the Philippines, an Asian developing country. It was really a lot of money. Um, I, was a, I was a student, I didn't have a part-time job, so I didn't have the money to train. And the second closest thing was uh, Judo, which I believe was also, uh, is is a cousin of Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ.
0: Yeah. So what were you studying at uni, by the way? Sorry? What did you study at university?
1: So I went to into business school it was uh, the formal name of the course was management engineering, which is basically mathematics applied for business.
0: Okay. So yes, I was a geek. Still am. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell me about um, your first experience, kind of memory, going to GGC club. Okay, so I I, I graduated already
1: and uh i was working i had a i had a salary so i thought hey i i can now pay for for jiu-jitsu which was really expensive back then in the philippines uh i i started training under under a black belt now back then he was a blue belt his name was uh ali sulit it was a team called new breed jiu-jitsu which was uh, the team training under Rodrigo Medeiros, uh, a Brazilian based in California at that time. So yeah, that was in late 2005. And then sometime in 2000 and I think 2008, I the team um, went on its own. It became Team, team VPF. It was my professor, Ali Sulit, who was uh, a purple belt at that time. And uh, one of my teammates, Rolf Go, who was uh, a brown belt at that time, they put up a uh, Team VPF. And then beginning, I think around 2009, 2010, uh, we were affiliated under uh, Atos Jiu Jitsu. Mm. Uh, the team headed by Uh, Professor Hamon Lemos and uh, Professor Andre Galval. So yeah, I've been... And since then I I moved to Bangkok the past uh, two and a half years and right now I'm I'm training with uh, Professor Morgan Perkins here with you in Bangkok Fight Lab.
0: So if you went back and um, were talking to your white belt self, what kind of advice would you give to yourself now?
1: Ah uh, that's uh that's a very good question because ever since I got my brown belt in twenty seventeen, I I've been asked for advice by a lot of white belts. So how was it like when I was in white belt? When I was in white belt, all I was thinking of was just getting the a couple of things, huh? Just getting a submission because it was a thing in the ufc that that is what gets you a win if you're a jiu-jitsu guy and i just thought it was cool <laughs> getting a submission and learning as many uh, moves positions as possible in jitsu much like uh, a person studying a language trying to expand his or her vocabulary But uh, back then, I spent, I would say, two years and a half at White Belt. We're in for... If if you take that time frame today, it's it's, it's a bit on the longer time frame. A lot of people get their Blue Belt from White in a year, a year and a half. So what advice would I give White Belts now? I would say that do not worry too much about getting the submission because reality is when you go to a gym nowadays compared to how it was more than 10 years ago a white belt will be playing against you know blues purples browns and blacks so right now getting the submission should be the least of your priorities you'd be defending most of the time so the focus has to be with defense and survival I think that's the, that's the first advice I would give. When I was a white belt, um, our instructor was a blue belt, so everyone was a white belt. Yeah, getting the submission means you're getting progress. But I think if you if you take that mindset now, it's it's close to impossible to get a submission in the first three months of your training. So yeah, focusing on defense would should be number one priority. Hmm. The second advice I would give is to not worry too much about widening your vocabulary of jiu jitsu or arsenal of moves. I would say that the first thing you'd have to do is to get an understanding of your body type, how you move. Do you have long limbs? Are you upper body? Uh, Is your strength more um, on your upper body or your lower body? Um, What is your physiology? Do you you like moving a lot? Uh, Why is that so? Because Jiu-Jitsu, it's a a very expansive world. It's going to be close to impossible to master all the positions, all the moves. And the sooner that you can find the set of moves or system that fits yourself, your preference, your body type, the faster you accelerate your development. I mean, take a look at the the world champions, the Black Belts, uh, the famous Black Belts that we know. They're they're often not known for for how wide uh, a knowledge they have of the game. They're often known for just one, two, or maximum three positions. I mean, Take the Meow Brothers is all about the bolo, the back take, you know, Keenan, Andres, Brilowski's. Keenan Cornelius, they they're known about the lapel guard. Marcelo Garcia is about the X-Card, obviously. Lucas Lepre is about the his half-guard passing. So they they focus on just few moves, but they're they're masters of that. So I believe that if if white belts can focus on defense at the start and just choose two or three offensive positions that they can use. They could be black belts in that position while wearing a white belt, so that's the advice I would give.
0: Hmm. Why do you think Jiu-Jitsu resonated with you, and you stuck that out more than you did, let's say, you know, Judo or any other martial art that might have appealed to you?
1: Well, I would say that um, growing up, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ver- a very athletic kid. Uh, I did like sports, but I never made it into any of the the uh, school school teams, football or basketball. I was a I was a pretty studious kid. I was I uh, back then. Up to now, I think I, I think a lot. Uh, I imagine a lot. I think jujitsu, among all the sports or martial arts. Uh, it's it's less of a strong man sport and more of a I'd say a thinking man's sport uh, when, when you imagine it uh, people say it's like human chess so uh, yeah the, the thinking aspect and how despite the lack of i mean relative lack of athletic ability you can do good uh, i I liked it and, and people would say that you know, jujitsu. It's it's one of the the hardest things that uh, one could do in his or her life. You know? I've been training since uh, late two thousand five, you know, give or take uh, two or three years for for injuries. So that's it's around ten years, ten years now, and. The amount of time I spent, you know, drilling, training, watching videos, you know, writing down notes, making game plans and flowcharts, I'd be, I'd be a doctor now, specializing in surgery. But even at my skill level now, as a brown belt, I wouldn't even consider myself proficient uh, operating on a on a patient. I would say. Mm. So that journey, that, that uh, grit, the thinking, the cerebral aspect to it, the challenge of it, the difficulty of it, it is what uh, draws me to the sport. And you're someone that
0: takes um, a lot of, kind of notes and stuff like that, right? And you kind of write a lot of things down.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, unlike a lot of people, I, I, I do not pick up moves pretty good. Unless I write it down, unless I put a, unless I watch a video, take pictures and put it side by side beside uh, the things I write about, it's hard. It's hard to get it inside my game. And aside from writing, I I have to drill moves over and over and over again with resistance, without resistance for me to be able to do that. Uh, Different things work for different people. I just think that writing notes, having a notebook... Uh, using pictures, uh, supplementing that videos. Uh, It works for me. Mm.
0: You just mentioned uh, your own game there. For people that might not know much about um, Jiu-Jitsu, your game is kind of like your style of Jiu-Jitsu, right? So, how would you uh, describe your style or your game to someone?
1: Yeah, so my game has been transforming from white belt to where I am. Uh, not, in, not in the sense that it's like jumping from one island to another. I mean like uh, one day I'm a close guard player and then all of a sudden I'm a butterfly guard player. No, it's been transforming more like in a, in a spectrum. So when I was starting out as a white belt, coming from a, a bit of a judo background, It was all about the top game, and uh, with Jiu Jitsu, I I wanted to go for the takedown back when I was a white and a blue belt. So it was all about a takedown and a half guard passing game. But then I realized towards the end of uh, a blue belt level, if you're faced with someone who wants to go for the takedown as well, it's either that uh, I would lose if I'm taken down because I didn't have much of a guard or if both of us insist on staying on top, uh, we would end up with nothing happening for the five or six minutes of the match and the match would be dictated by a referee's decision who was more aggressive, who had more attempts, etc. So blue to purple belt, I started incorporating a, a decent guard game. so. I, I liked Marcelo Garcia uh, at that time, so I was doing a lot of the X-Guard. And then from towards the end of the Purple Belt, I saw this uh, rising star from Brazil. His name was Leandro Lowe. He was doing uh, an X-Guard with the use of Spider Grips, which I thought was cool because it, uh, it used less of athleticism compared to marcelo uh, because of the grips so i did that and then as as i was progressing into brown belt uh, i realized that i'm starting to play in competitions with uh with people 10 years younger than me who had even more strength and athleticism so uh, the spider guard aspect, the spider X guard aspect of Leanderlo's game uh, kind of blended well with this guy named uh, Keenan Cornelius who does a lot of the uh, lapel system. So, so now I'm doing a lot of the worm guard, squid guard, uh, lasso lapel guard system. We're in. even if Even if you're not very athletic, even if your grips are not very strong, just by using the mechanics of the lapel, keeping the opponent's posture down, not with their strength, but with the fabric that they're wearing. So I'm incorporating that in my game as well.
0: Mm. So
1: that's how my game evolved evolved to how it is
0: now. Just kind of adapting to your situation and the kind of people you're facing and your own uh, physical restraints is kind of what shaped it. Did you ever, was was there ever a time of you really wanted to add something in and be like a certain type of player, but it just wasn't <clears throat> feasible for you, like? oh Yeah, there was.
1: Uh, people say that the De La Riva Guard and the X Guard, they're cousins, they're, they're pretty much the position, seems to be pretty much related. And during, when I was purple belt during what, 2011, no, 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 2013, 2014, uh, 2015, blue turning into purple, the Miao brothers, the Mendes brothers, they were doing a lot of this, Berimbolo, Della La inversion stuff. And I thought it was cool, I mean, for one, it was, it was really nice to watch. So I was drilling that hundreds, if not thousands of times over and over, Berimbolo, but uh, the thing is, it required some flexibility, which I, I, I lacked relative to the people who were good with it. So, yeah, I tried for a couple of years, but uh, even up to now, I <laughs> I never pulled off a bare bow in competition.
0: Right. You do compete a lot as well, don't you, Pons? Yes, I do. I, I,
1: I compete as much as I can. And in close to 10 years of jiu-jitsu i've did i've done i've done i would say close to 240 230 fights wow. fights in my competition journey wow, that's amazing man yeah it's pretty big in the philippines you know in, yeah in, in the philippines um Manila alone easily we can find 50 gyms 50 academies in that city so we'd have we'd have easily 15 to 20 competitions in a year so there was there were a lot of opportunities for that and Bangkok what I like about Bangkok is that it's it's starting to grow here and we've got uh we've got different organizations having competitions here and there and I would say in a year we can get 12 easily here in the country so yeah at any moment I could get to any chance i could get to compete
0: i i take it hmm. and and why is it why is that do you feel you get something out of competing that you don't get uh, through training or
1: <clears throat> yeah i think that competition and training sparring during competition is quite different uh i i remember I remember a video I was watching about a tightrope walker. He was, he was doing this, uh, you know, wire walking Mm. trick on a, on a cable wire, which is elevated two feet above the ground. He said it was easy, but then doing it from 50 feet above the ground, he said that physically it's the same tightrope, but then again, there's the factor of you seeing that there is, there's the ground 50 feet below you. It's the same thing, but it's going to feel different, much more than doing it um, 300 feet above the ground or 20 stories above the ground. It's the same tightrope walking. Tight rope walking but it's going to be a different experience. The same with competition and sparring and rolling. When you're rolling in the gym, you know it's a, it's, it's a controlled environment. You play with your teammates. You know their habits. You know their skills. Uh, and and they, they probably play against you with the same mindset. So they can either uh, they can either go hard with you or they can choose to go soft. They also anticipate your moves. But in competition... Uh, you, you don't know what the other pe- person is going to do. And that is what I find um, that is what I find uh, exciting, interesting. And there are a lot of things in your game that unless you do it in competition, it's hard to uncover the weaknesses of that. And obviously, the adrenaline rush, the thrill, uh, it's something that uh, it's hard to get uh inside the gym or anywhere mm. that, that i like
0: do you feel like for me jiu-jitsu is a lot about character de- development learning like values like you know respect and discipline and integrity and all these kind of things um talked a lot about on the podcast before do you feel like those kind of things get developed in competition as well or is there a different value that gets um developed
1: well, obviously yeah because uh, competition is almost like the tip of the iceberg. <clears throat> the The work the work and effort in a competition ultimately happens before the competition. So it's a preparation that um, that uh, I would say 90 if not 99% of it. Uh, the competition is merely a validation. But I, I think one of the things I I developed training competition is you know staying calm despite the pressure the adversity mm-hmm. and finding a way to turn bad things around uh it, it's different in competition because unlike in the gym where in for example you're in a bad position you're down three points you know that when the round is over you can invite uh, you can invite your training partner for another role and it's fine. But in most competitions, when you're down three points and you've got 30 seconds left, if uh, if you do not escape, get the back, get the market submission. The day is done for you. So it teaches you not to panic, you know, focus in one thing at a time, get the escape and...
0: Work ethic yeah. on the front end for the competition as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any stand-up memories from any competitions? Uh, sorry, what? standard memories or uh, stand-up memories? Uh, standout. stand-out. Funny, out oh, memory. just like funny stories. Oh.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I... Oh, yeah, I, I do have this memory. I competed in Japan. This was in 2016. It was, uh, 2015. It was one of my purple belt competitions. It was the Asian Open uh, in Tokyo, and it was four matches uh, to get the gold. And I remember the very first match. I, I heard a pop in my sh- in my rib rib cage, my left rib cage. I, I it it was really painful, and I felt like uh, oh, it just didn't feel right. But uh, thankfully, I won that first match, so. In between the matches, my, my ribs were hurting and I didn't want to tell my coach because <laughs> uh, I was guessing that, uh, you know, my coach would just take me out of the, the ladder and uh, there goes the, the Asian Open for me. But I would just, I remember that I was just telling myself, the other guy, you gotta, you gotta send me to the hospital for me to quit. You gotta kill me for me to quit. And I was I was playing with a with a sprained rib. I didn't know it at that time. Uh, it was really painful. It was just all grit. I couldn't get the submission. It was just oh. battling for every uh, advantage, if not points at uh, that time. And then I was grateful. I made it to the finals and...
0: How many, was it just one more um, uh, in a match so, you had your first match, one more, and then the final. Was it Oh Yeah, I, I, I won four
1: matches in a row. Oh, okay, so it's two. Time. Yeah, so, I got the there's... gold.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: I think that was the, until Purple Belt, that was the biggest uh, competition win I had.
0: So, and that was, was the Asian Open, was it? It was the Asian Open in wow. Japan. It was what, really what year was that? Do you remember? That
1: was in 2015.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, what, uh, what, um, what belt were you?
1: I was in Purple Belt that oh. time.
0: I was competing in uh, featherweight. Was it on oh, the gi? Was it? Oh. That was in the gi. That's cool. And um, is that your favorite memory from competing, or do you have another memory that you're really proud of?
1: Ah, uh, it wasn't a specific memory, but uh, I did remember that the first couple of years uh, when I was doing jujitsu. So I was a white belt for two and a half years. I remember that. For the first two years of competition, I didn't win a single match. I was just losing and losing the first match of every tournament. And I, I it, it was tough. It was really tough. You know, for a young person uh, doing the sport, you know, if you're competitive, winning is everything. And uh, losing everything, every, every tournament, it was just a bummer until... Until after two years, I just found myself, uh, it was a Pan-Asians. It was a Pan-Asians back then in Manila. And I got, uh, five wins in a row, all with a submission arm bar. I was just surprised. I mean, what happened after two years of competing, not winning a single match here. I'm winning one submission after the other. So yeah, that was a great memory too. Why do you think that was what, what, what had changed? Oh it's a good question. You know in hindsight, I think that one of the one of the factors in competition that affect, that affects a, a player is the the fear of losing. Now w- when, you, when you have this anxiety of uh, you know losing getting getting submitted, it affects your game. This is one of the things that is different. Uh, when you're doing jujitsu inside the gym as opposed to competition inside the gym you know the fear of getting tapped past swept it's not as much I mean you know that uh, if you lose uh, you can just go at it again but in competition it's just much much more you you, for for a young kid being in someone else's um, Instagram feed uh, not being the person with his arms raised up by the ref. Uh, it's it's something you wouldn't want. But after two years of just losing and losing and losing, you start to get uh, numb and uh, unafraid of losing. All of a sudden, it's not new. And in hindsight, I realized uh, in that competition after two years, I didn't have much fear of losing. And I think I was more calmer. I, I, I was able to execute my game better. And thankfully, I won. I won that tournament.
0: Even when you were losing all of these matches when you were starting out, did you always, did it ever get you down and did you ever kind of go in with the expectations like, oh, I'm probably going to lose or, or was it always you were there to win?
1: <coughs> well, not really. Uh, even up to now, My mindset about competition is that i go there to win uh the thoughts about what if i lose i never 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 entertain that as a matter of fact uh i have this i have this mindset that i tell myself in this competition i'm gonna look for the guy who's gonna be beating me um that is that is the goal that is the goal because if i lose i know i'm going to learn something if i lose there's going to be an aspect of my game uh, which i know needs improvement mm-hmm. so I, I i think learning to overcome the fear of losing uh not really overcome but uh, learning to dance to deal with the fear of losing uh that has been um, one of the things i i i, I like about competition Mm. I still, I still get the, <laughs> I still get the butterflies in the stomach every competition. I, I never lost that. I never lost that. But uh, having a having a mindset, a, a way of coping with it, uh, yeah, that's been what's working for me.
0: And you think you'll um, always want to keep competing, like once you get to black belt and stuff where you keep competing?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I... You know, competition just gives a person a certain level of, uh, I would say, a certain level of,
0: a sense of accomplishment. Uh, Do you think everyone should compete? Everyone that does jiu-, jiu Jitsu?
1: I don't think that everyone should, uh, but I would, I would urge everyone to. Some people just, uh are in it uh, you know just for the physical exercise aspect of it you know competition is pretty intense uh i'm a i'm a brown belt but in competitions i get i get tapped by purples by blues Um, there's just so many factors and variables in competition that that is absent in in regular training and for for some people uh you know, regular training is is more, more, much, much more than enough for them. But yeah, you know, competing is good. I would, all my friends, I would encourage them to do so, but uh, I don't think everyone should do it.
0: How do you think you've changed kind of uh, personally since starting <clears throat> Jiu-Jitsu? The person you were kind of pre-2005? Ooh.
1: I would say that... Uh Jiu-jitsu taught me how to be in really frightening situations and calm down and be able to think, be able to breathe and tell yourself you got to focus on this just one thing, this A, A, just got to focus on, you know, framing, framing your forearm and your opponent's, um, Uh, neck to get that escape just that just that and you know that that calm despite being in a bad position it translates to to your work in your career you know in, in my in my career as a sales and marketing guy when when i'm in negotiations i don't i don't i didn't feel the need to panic when i'm underneath another person i'm i'm negotiating with. I just breathe and take my time and plan my moves the same way with Jiu Jitsu. Because I think what Jiu Jitsu teaches, Jiu is instant feedback. It's instant feedback. When you're in a bad position, you panic. You, you, get, you get yourself choked, you get yourself on board. you get yourself passed. So it's instant feedback. And it translates a lot to, to life.
0: Hmm. Oh, how important is Jiu Jitsu being? Um, in you becoming the person you are now is it is it somewhat important is it very important i would say it's extremely important
1: extreme it's close to the most important thing uh it's 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 more than a it's more than a hobby it's more than a sport Mm. it's almost like a way of life
0: uh why, why does jiu do that? Because see, if you look through someone who does jiu like Facebook page or something, almost all you see is just stuff about jiu <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you might not see that about someone that is, does, you know, I don't know, uh, who has a hobby. Um, uh, I don't know, Can't, nothing comes to the top of my head so easily.
1: But you know, it's, a, it's an interesting mystery. Uh, a lot of my if, if, if I log on to my Facebook account, for example, I have, what, easily uh, two-thirds of my Facebook friends are from Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, their they're wall, their news feeds, it's about videos they share, it's about pictures of them going to different gyms. You know, it, it's a mystery. Uh, it's a mystery. It, it's I cannot think of a lot of sports or are passions in life
0: uh, that gets people so in love with like like jiu-jitsu. Is there anything that you're kind of curious about now that isn't jiu-jitsu or is it (laughs) like sorry your
1: question is are there things I'm curious about uh, about,
0: aside from jiu-jitsu yeah Yeah. is there anything else that kind of grasps your interest at the moment Uh, other stuff that you're interested in
1: well at the same level of Jiu-jitsu? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, books that I read, which are obviously not jiu-jitsu related, I still I still apply those things, those lessons, those
0: insights to jiu <laughs> So, uh, yeah. What kind of stuff is it that you would uh, usually read?
1: Well, I, I do like a lot of... Uh, I do like a lot of uh, nonfiction. Uh, I, I like I like this author. Author, his name is uh, Nassim Taleb. He's a Lebanese former former financial trader uh, who's now a writer. Uh, he talks about he talks about maximizing success uh, in money making in business. But uh, I also apply that with maximizing success and development in in jiu-jitsu.
0: So, um, I asked you to um, write down a favorite quote or saying for me. I thought we could talk about it on the podcast and you got it in front of you, right? Is that it?
1: Yes, I do. I've got a couple.
0: Okay, cool. Well, yeah. I've got a couple.
1: You know, and it's Him funny, up. it's funny that uh, it relates a lot to my first couple of years of not experiencing success in the competition uh, circuit of jujitsu. jitsu uh, So a couple of, couple of quotes which I kept in my Evernote. The first is from Bill Gates, uh, he writes and I quote, success is a lousy teacher, it seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose Uh, well obviously it relates a lot to jujitsu we're in if you want to use competition as a means of learning winning is merely a validation of where you're good at but a failure that's instant feedback Mm. you would know which grip was wrong which leg position did you do uh, weak? So, failure is a great teacher. Failure is a great teacher. Uh, if and only if uh, you allow it to be a good teacher.
0: So, I'll put a pin on that one as well because I want to ask you something about that, but I'll let you keep going on, on the other things as well. Uh,
1: the second thing, <clears throat> I think, yeah, this relates to jujitsu a bit. <clears throat> It's from Nassim Taleb, the Lebanese writer I was talking about. He writes and I quote, They will envy you for your success, for your wealth, for your intelligence, for your looks, for your status, but rarely for your wisdom. And I added to this in parenthesis, and never for your kindness yeah so that was from Asim Talib, and the last line was from me
0: <laughs> do you think um how do you do you believe like people um uh, kindness at the end there won't be reciprocated um as in that like if you an act of kindness um won't be if you go out there and do kind you know good things uh <clears throat> it doesn't get passed on, uh
1: Yeah, well, what I like about, um, what I like about the statement is that, uh, you know, kindness has very, kindness has very little downside. Mm. Very, very little, if any, at all. I mean, genuine kindness, eh? It has very little downside. Uh, being successful, Being wealthy, being smart, it has a lot of downsides. Mm. Uh, When you're wealthy, you're gonna be attracting a lot of envy. Success creates a lot of enemies. Uh, Intelligence, you know, when you speak, uh, even with the best of intentions, it's not always taken positively. But kindness—it's—it's uh, it's very hard to—it's to, very hard to take that
0: negatively. Yeah, and that's why I like that. It is very. I think there's a there's a quote similar to that. I, like uh, it's from um, Lord of the Rings. Gandalf says, "Like, I think he's asked." Um, ah, Come remember the actual uh, bit, but it's like it's like a simple act of kindness. Um, other things that like are really good in the world, like it's like the small things, not the great, you know. Big shows of courage or anything like that but it's just like they're really small things that you might miss um but have a lot of meaning to someone yeah was there anything else you had written down or? no just this couple of yeah. uh, quotes cool i wanted to ask you on, on the last one it was a bit about failure and stuff was there any kind of um particular failure that you um thought you had that kind of set you up for a later success oh.
1: I can, I can talk about my, my career in sales and marketing. Uh, there's a couple of uh, major setbacks that uh, I can vividly remember. The first was uh, in my first job. I was, I was a marketing person for one of the Philippines' uh, biggest pharmaceutical companies. And oh, that was a great job for a, for a fresh grad. Uh, you know it, it paid quite a decent amount of money uh, I was I was developing new products producing great ads but after a couple of months my boss told me that uh, I think you're not good for marketing and uh, I highly urge you that uh, you find something else to do I was I was I didn't expect that and I was uh, I was going away, I, uh, I was shocked but then again uh, my second job after just a few weeks it was still in marketing um, I was I was proving I was somehow proving her wrong that uh, no no I can do this I can mm. do this you gotta fire me again to to make me quit so yeah
0: why do you think um, uh, they said she said that to you uh, y- y-
1: you know the the corporate life is a very complex it's it's a very complex uh, world people can can succeed and fail on things more than meritocracy so in hindsight I don't know uh, you know it could be a, a number of reasons it could be that I wasn't good enough it could be that uh, we just just didn't have the right chemistry. It Could be a lot of things. Mm.
0: Do you think I saying that motivated you to do better? Sorry, did uh, t- did that uh, motivate you to do better? I saying that, or did it kind of put you down?
1: Well, well it, it, failure is painful. Failure is always painful. Uh, failure is meant to get you down, and uh, you you would fall a bit, but. Uh, yeah it could be it could be a motivation for for just getting up again and again and again
0: and proving proving people proving ideas wrong mm. okay so we're gonna start ra- wrapping this up ponds but was there anything that i should have asked you about you think um so far in the in the podcast like is there any particular topics you wanted to cover or wish to talk about
1: yeah i think uh just one, one thing about jiu-jitsu, for people getting into the sport, the first is, if you were in Thailand, I would urge you, encourage and invite you to train in Bangkok Fight Lab, you know, one of the best gyms in, in Thailand. Uh, it's very accessible via SkyTrain, a great place, great culture. You have great professors. Uh, yeah. Train jiu-jitsu, that thing. <laughs> And the mentality on jiu-jitsu, I think that uh, do not close yourselves with uh, certain groups of people training as many teams, with as many teams, as many gyms as possible in different countries. Uh, Yeah, those things uh, would make the jiu-jitsu journey awesome.
0: So um, using my last question upon would be what would be a perfect day for you? So you can have scope to do anything or be anywhere and hang out with anyone. Um, just tell me, kind of, when did you get up? What did you have for breakfast?
1: Yeah. What do you do? This is the ideal day, yeah?
0: Yeah. So I wake up early. I have uh, I have
1: my own family now, so I have two sons. Get them, get uh, get my two boys, get dressed, get ready, send them off to school. And early in the morning, i go to the gym, uh, do my drills. You know, one and a half hours of drills very, very early in the morning, six o'clock. And after that, take a good shower, you know, grab a nice cup of decaffeinated coffee, get to work, be productive, and after that, train Jiu-Jitsu, get this to This is home.
0: your ideal day. This is my ideal day. You <laughs> see, so you're going to work on your ideal day. Yeah. You, yeah? Can, be, you can be anywhere. You can be... Um, training with Marcelo Garcia, that You could be all day, he could be doing whatever you want. I want you no. to be a bit more imaginative here, Pons. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, no, look. You have the day off as well. You don't need to go to work. On my day off. Okay,
1: on my day <laughs> off. Because I, I love my job. I love my job. I, I, my job almost doesn't feel like a job because it's a way for me to express myself. Mm. But I also love Jiu Jitsu. But let's say, what is the ideal day off? my ideal day off would be in one of two places either in the mountains or near the beach
0: any particular mountain range or any particular beach uh beach uh there's this
1: nice uh, nice island uh on the west of the philippines by the west philippine sea it's called palawan yeah? uh, they have one of the loveliest beaches there white sand uh
0: Clear blue skies, uh, friendly waves, great people, awesome seafood. Is it more of a is it a touristy one or is it quite more of a local kind of one? Or?
1: Well, Palawan is a huge island, so there are places where uh, it gets touristy, and mm. there are places where um, not a lot of people know it. Only the locals know. So the ideal day there for me would be that I wake up, you know, go to the beach, do some meditation, do some stretching. After that, after that uh, get some mats, put it beside the, uh, the beach, hear the waves, the wind, the birds, do reps, 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 reps for two hours. Who are you training with? Uh, ideally, with my friends uh, here, with my teammates here in Bangkok and the Philippines. Oh, yeah? Yeah, ideally. I haven't done that, to be honest, uh, but that would be cool. Yeah. I'll go to lunch, surf a bit
0: you and done then, a,
1: bit of, are you a good surfer? No, I'm not a good surfer. Uh, I like it. Uh, I'm horrible with it, to be honest. <laughs> but again, just like jiu jitsu, it's instant feedback. Right. If you're doing it good, you're going to be on the surfboard cruising. If you're doing it bad, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> and the waves will tell you.
0: <laughs> Do you have a bit of surfing, have a bit of lunch, and then how are you spending your evening? Is it with the family or? Sorry, how are you going to spend your evening? Are you going to spend it with the family, or yeah, with my, with
1: my two boys. I'm um, getting them into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, how old are they? I've got a ten-year-old who who dabbled a bit on jiu-jitsu when he was uh, seven years old, and I've got a I've got a four-year-old. Mm. So two sons, ten and four,
0: and a wife. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Pons. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, and I hope. Uh, you, everyone listening enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed listening to your stories and definitely learned some about you. Where you're competing over 230 Woody times and all that kind of stuff. That's amazing, man. Awesome, T. Uh, thank you for having me on your show and uh, good luck with your
1: podcast and also your Jiu Jitsu journey. Cheers, man.